Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the KRX's fourth quarter and year-end 2020 Financial Results Conference Call. Please note that this call is being broadcast live over the internet, and the webcast will be available for replay beginning approximately one hour following the completion of the call. Details of how to access the webcast replay are available in yesterday's news release announcing the company's financial results, as well as the company's website, at www.carerx.ca. Today's call is being accompanied by a slide presentation. Those listening on their phones can access the slide presentation from the company's website in the investor section under events and presentations by loading the webcast and choosing the non-streaming audio option. Certain matters discussed in today's call or answers that may be given to questions asked could constitute forward-looking statements that are subject to risks or uncertainties relating to KRX's future financial and business performance. Actual results could differ materially from those anticipated these forward-looking statements. The risk factors that may affect results are detailed in KRX's periodical results and registration statements, and you can access these documents in the CDAR database under www.cdar.com. CareX is under no obligation to update any forward-looking statements discussed today, and investors are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these statements. I would now like to turn the call over to David Murphy, President and CEO of CareX Corporation. Please go ahead, Mr. Murphy. Thank you, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to our fourth quarter and year-end earnings call. I'm joined this morning by our Chief Financial Officer, Andrew Monk. The fourth quarter of 2020 was a tremendous finish to what was a truly transformational year for CareRx. It was a quarter that further underscored the strong momentum in our business while demonstrating the power of operating leverage in our business model as we add bed to our national pharmacy platform. As Andrew will explain in more detail, the remedies acquisition and the early completion of the integration of that acquisition contributed meaningfully to adjusted EBITDA growth in the quarter. Revenue for Q4 once again reflected growth in the number of beds serviced year over year, attributable primarily in this quarter to the remedies acquisition. The average number of beds serviced during the quarter was 48,768, up 55% year over year, but down slightly from Q3 as we continue to experience a temporary reduction in the average number of beds serviced as a result of COVID-19. Q4 revenue increased 44% year-over-year to $46.4 million. For the full year of 2020, revenue grew by 30%. Completion of the remedies integration generated approximately half a million dollars in cost-saving synergies in Q4. Roughly two-thirds of the $750,000 in savings we expect to generate quarterly on a go-forward basis, or $3 million on an annualized basis. As a reminder, these cost savings resulted primarily from the consolidation of our pharmacy fulfillment network and a reduction in the number of sites to 18 by the end of 2020. 
These synergies helped us deliver 65% growth in adjusted EBITDA in Q4, as well as an increase in EBITDA margin to 8.8%. 2020 was reaffirming in terms of both the growth opportunity that exists for us and our ability to execute on it. We now have a multi-year track record of growing our bed count from both new customer contract wins and acquisitions. And in the last few months, we have announced an additional new contract and, and an acquisition that has positioned us to continue that growth trajectory moving forward. Just as importantly, I should emphasize that our team's ability to execute on the integration of acquisitions and the onboarding of new beds has been critical to translating growth initiatives into meaningful improvement in financial performance. Our execution in 2020 was a clear testament to the capabilities of our team and gives me tremendous confidence as we continue to pursue our growth strategy moving forward. Our momentum has carried forward into 2021. In January, we announced a meaningful tuck-in acquisition, entering into a definitive agreement to acquire SmartMeds Pharmacy, which serves more than 2,400 residents in long-term care, assisted living, and other institutional settings in Ontario. The closing consideration will be $4.5 million, $4 million in cash, and $475,000 in shares. The business is expected to contribute run rate annual revenue of $13 million and run rate annual EBITDA of approximately $1.5 million prior to any benefits from the integration of the operations of the two businesses. We are currently aiming to close that transaction by March 31st. SmartMeds was compelling to us for a number of reasons. It is a well-run organization with significant customer loyalty and a broad range of customers in both long-term care and other institutional settings. It also has an excellent reputation as a leader in innovation, quality, customer service, and technology. We also continue to execute on our organic growth strategy, winning a new 1,100-bed multi-year contract with an Ontario-based seniors home operator. The new bed spans 13 seniors, communities, seniors housing communities in Ontario. We began onboarding those beds with the commencement of the contract in January. Finally, in February, we strengthened our balance sheet with the completion of a very successful equity offering, the public component of which was upsized by 30% immediately after launch for total gross proceeds of just over $21 million, including the full exercise of the overall allotment option. The offering provides us with additional capital to fuel the execution of our growth strategy which I will discuss after turning things over to Andrew to discuss our Q4 results in more detail. Andrew? Thank you, David, and good morning, everyone. First, as a reminder, our financial statements and MD&A for the quarter and the full year have been filed with CDAR and are also available on our website. Revenue for the fourth quarter of 2020 increased 14.2 million, or 44%, to 46.4 million, from 32.2 million in the fourth quarter of last year. This increase was primarily attributable to the contribution of the remedies business of 15.1 million, which was slightly offset by the impact of the amendments to the Ontario Drug Benefit Act, which came into effect on January 1st of last year. In addition, as David mentioned earlier, growth was also slightly offset by temporary occupancy reductions in some of the homes we serviced due to COVID-19. I will take this opportunity to remind you that as per our announcement in mid-January, the Ontario Ministry of Health made the decision to pause its previously scheduled changes to long-term care pharmacy funding for a year. The change would have seen the annual capitated fee decrease to $1,400 per bed from $1,500 per bed on April 1st of this year. 
that step down is now scheduled to resume on April 1st of 2022. Turning to adjusted EBITDA, adjusted EBITDA in Q4 increased by 1.6 million or 65% year over year to 4.1 million from 2.5 million in Q4 of last year. The increase was driven by a $1.6 million contribution from the remedies business, which included half a million dollars in cost saving synergies that were achieved during the quarter. Again, we expect annualized cost savings from the remedies integration to be $3 million and expect to fully realize those in Q1 of 2021 and onwards. Turning to our balance sheet, we finished Q4 with $19.6 million in cash. That's up from $18.6 million in the prior quarter. Cash flows during the quarter included cash provided by operations of $2.8 million and the $1.5 million of proceeds from the divestiture of one of our non-operating subsidiaries at the beginning of the quarter, which were partially offset by capital expenditures of $0.7 million and cash used in financing activities of $2.1 million. Net debt at the end of Q4 stood at $38.5 million, and our run rate net debt to adjusted EBITDA was 2.4 times for Q4, decreasing from 2.6 times in the prior quarter and 5.7 times a year ago. As David mentioned earlier, subsequent to quarter end, we completed a bot deal public offering with a concurrent private placement of just under 5 million shares at a price of $4.25 per share for total gross proceeds of 21.2 million, which included the full exercise of the over allotment option. The offering gives us additional financial flexibility as we continue to aggressively pursue opportunities under our growth strategy. I'll now turn the call back over to David for some concluding comments. David? Thank you, Andrew. 2020 was truly an incredible year. Despite the challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic, we made and successfully integrated the largest pharmacy acquisition in our history. We became the largest and fastest growing pharmacy provider to seniors homes in Canada. We executed a successful rebranding of the company. We strengthened our national fulfillment network and enhanced our team and capabilities. We continue to transform our balance sheet and improve our financial performance. And perhaps most importantly, we further strengthened our value proposition to our home operator partners and helped support them through an incredibly challenging period. But in many respects, we are just getting started. Having nearly doubled our bed count in the past three years, it is our intention to do the same thing in the next three years with a target of 100,000 beds serviced by 2023. We are now the only major pharmacy player that is singularly focused on servicing the unique and complex needs of congregate care settings. And we have become the obvious consolidator in a market that for many reasons requires further consolidation. The benefits and enhanced capabilities that come with increased scale will allow us to provide a superior pharmacy service offering to our customers while also driving the fundamental metrics that underpin shareholder value. We are building a clear track record of being able to identify compelling acquisition opportunities, transact successfully and at attractive multiples, and integrate in a manner that drives meaningful financial synergies while also strengthening our service capabilities to customers. The M&A pipeline remains very active, and it is our goal to execute on additional transactions this year. This roll-up strategy, supplemented by what we continue to believe is a significant organic growth opportunity, gives us multiple paths to achieve our 100,000 bed target. I would like to close by thanking our team for their incredible dedication and contributions during this past year. 
Although we are proud to say that COVID-19 did not have a material impact on our financial results, that does not mean it did not affect us. It profoundly affected our lives, how we worked together and onboarded new team members from the remedies acquisition. It had a devastating impact on the vulnerable residents of our home operator, home operator partners, as well as their families. And it created business challenges and pressures for us as we managed through lower occupancy levels and increased costs associated with outbreaks and other activities. But our team resolved not to let this pandemic stop us from achieving our objectives, the most important of which was being the partner our customers required in their time of need. I am proud to be part of this team, and I look forward to us writing the next chapter of our growth story together in 2021. I would now like to open the call to questions. Operator? Great, thank you. If you would like to ask a question at this time, please press star followed by the number one on your touchtone phone. To withdraw your question, press the pound or hash sign. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. And your first question here comes from the line of Doug Cooper from Beacon Securities. Please go ahead, your line is now open. Good morning, David, and congratulations on a great Q4 in 2020. Um, just an update, though, you gave a pretty comprehensive update on the pharmacy side, just on the, um, the pharmacy at home. Is there an update to how things are progressing there? Uh, yeah, good, good, good question, Doug. It's you know, still early days. Uh, as you know, we've, uh, we launched that venture late in the summer. Uh, at this point, it's, it's, um, it's an Alberta-only venture, so Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, we're really encouraged. Uh, we, we, um, we think this is a space that you know, it has a lot of interest, uh, but also starting to drive um, you know, some, some increased adoption of, of alternate methods of receiving pharmacy services. Uh, we're, we're going slow. We're not, um, you know, we're not going to invest an excessive amount of capital until we really believe in the, in the story, but it's gone well. And I think um, we obviously have paid attention as well to what's happened in the broader sector in terms of the attention in, on this uh, virtual pharmacy world. So, um, you know, more, more to come. I think we haven't determined yet what the pace of our, uh, ramping up of that business will be, but I would say we're very satisfied with the progress to date, and you should see us expand that further in 2021. Okay. And on the uh, Think Research uh, uh, partnership you announced, can you expand a little bit of, of that, or what what do you expect to get out of that? Sure. I mean, first and foremost, I think Research is just a, a just a great company and a great a great group of people, and so we're we're excited to be partnered with them. We actually had a pre-existing partnership. Uh, two or three years ago, mostly focused on helping us drive some automation in our workflow. Uh, the, the, the partnership we announced most recently is really focused on increasing the number of residents in retirement homes uh, that, um, that use our pharmacy services. As you know, Doug, uh, there, there is a, you know, a, a subset of the, of, the, of the retirement residents that are generally more independent, healthier, don't use our medication management services. And it's always been part of our, um, our growth plan to, uh, to, to, to put a more compelling case in front of them for why they should use our services. The partnership with Think essentially allows us to collaborate with them to offer to a retirement resident the ability to see a doctor virtually and also fill their prescriptions without leaving uh, their room or their home, which obviously, particularly in a COVID world, um, is, a, is a really compelling uh, uh, option. So, you know, that, that's, um, that's the essence of the partnership. It's just rolled out, although I, I heard even this week that um, some of the homes that we've started it uh, in on a pilot basis have already started to ask about how fast we can ramp it up to other homes. So, uh, like I said, great, great company, great partnership, and fundamentally, it's really about driving 
um, increased penetration for us in retirement homes. Okay, great. And the final one for me, just an update on Kerry. Is there anything to speak about there? Uh, yeah, n nothing. I think uh, we, we announced uh, late in the fourth quarter that they had done a Series A financing. So I think um, really excited to see that. Uh, it included some, some really high caliber investors, including Long Live Ventures, which is a, a division of the CK Hutchison Group. So I think they're in a good shape from a capital perspective. Their Euro European distribution agreements uh, continue to drive uh, expanded volume. You may have noticed that uh, we, uh, in our year-end financials, we wrote up the, the value of that investment to reflect uh, the growth in our equity investment uh, over, over the few years since we, since we made it. So we feel good. Still predominantly, I, I would characterize it as an equity investment. Um, uh, Canadian activity has been slow, although there have been um, renewed uh, Canadian pilots and sales activities in the last few months. So cautiously optimistic that it may also contribute to our uh, to our business in Canada moving forward. Okay. Thanks very much. That's it for me. Thanks, Doug. Your next question comes from the line of Justin Keywood from Stiefel GMP. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Good morning, and thank you for taking my call. On the Smart Meds uh, acquisition, if I'm calculating it correctly, I think it implies a, a five to six times uh, purchase EBITDA multiple. And I'm just wondering, is that a, a multiple that you can continue to acquire at or, or any views of, of the target multiples uh, out there for M&A? Uh, good morning, Justin. Yeah, good, good question. I think, you know, every deal has its own, has its own life uh, cycle and, and valuation. But, yeah, I think high level, I think if you look at the last two deals we've done, you start to get a general indication of where, uh, of where valuations are. I think it will differ depending on whether you're talking about a smaller tuck-in a single site uh, operator versus something larger than that. But yeah, I think the approximate multiple is uh, is uh, five times on that deal. Um, and, and I would say, although we're not, we're, we're always a bit conservative in terms of giving specific synergy targets. We also do think about this on a fully synergized basis as well, in terms of what multiple uh, we will pay once we fully integrate the business. Uh, so obviously our expectation will be that we'll be even lower uh, on a fully synergized basis. But I think directionally, yeah, that is, um, you know, that plus the remedies deal probably gives you an indication of how of how we look at uh, deal structure and valuation. Okay, uh, thank you. And, and then just in the target to still, you know, double bids under management, are you able to characterize that if that will be primarily through uh, the near-term RFPs? I, and I know there's quite a substantial opportunity there, or or through consolidation and you know what that split could roughly be. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I mean, I, candidly, we wouldn't we wouldn't publicize that target if we didn't think we had multiple paths to getting there. I I, I it will definitely be both organic growth and uh, and M and A. I my personally, I would like to see at least half of that growth come from organic growth. And although COVID unfortunately has slowed down things in the last few months, we still believe that that sort of opportunity is out there. But I I, I think I would characterize it as a you know a target. Uh, a target balance almost 50-50, but we, obviously we have levers we can pull uh, to the extent that, um, you know, the, the, the best laid plans don't materialize. And, um, you know, we, we have uh, an active enough M&A pipeline that, if necessary, we can, we can ramp that up as well. Okay. And then we saw the kind of scale benefits show in the quarter and the margin expansion. Um, any indication of what the margins could trend towards in, in the in business, you know, as we look out, uh, you know, three or four years and, and you're, you're seeing that the additional bets contribute under management? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know that we want to, um, you know, provide 
that much sort of forward guidance on our targets. I mean, at a high level, I think we always said that at a normalized bed count, so once we return to the pre-COVID levels uh, and fully synergized, that, that the remedies deal uh, should get us, you know, close to that 10% margin. That's certainly not where we want to stop. And, you know, the, it is our view that the 100,000 bed version of CARE-RX will, will have meaningfully better margins than that 10% number. I, I don't know that I would throw anything out there specifically at this point, but, um, you know, certainly we're, we're, not, we're not doing this to, in order to be the same margin at 100,000 beds as we would be at 50. Understood, and thank you for taking my questions. Thanks, Justin. Your next question comes from the line of David Newman from Desjardins. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Hi, David. Good morning, David. So when you look at the uh, when you look at the environment right now with the vaccinations, I think it's, I think last count it was like ninety percent uh, through the um, long term care and retirement homes. So they're almost at one hundred percent here. Are you seeing any pickup in the utilization or, again, I think some things are kind of pushed out on the RFP front or deal activity, anything that, you, that you're seeing that maybe the activity is starting to turn the corner? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. I mean, the short answer as of today is, is nothing, nothing yet, but I, I do think we're increasingly optimistic that it's coming. So, yeah, as you know, David, it's been a strange few months. So on the one hand, the second wave of COVID was... You know, you know, quite devastating in terms of outbreaks in, in long-term care homes. December and January were, were really difficult. And so, you know, the, the homes have really been all hands on deck on managing outbreaks, managing testing requirements, and then obviously shifting to, to vaccination. Um, you know, fortunately, as, as you know, there are a number of home operators who are publicly traded. So I, I would always defer to their, to their comments and their predictions more than mine. They're the experts. But I think... Um, you know what, what? What seems to be the case now is I think there is increasing confidence that we are going to see, in the near term, uh, you know, a, a, a normalization of a number of things, including occupancy levels. And for us, that will that will mean a, a meaningful pop in our in our bed count. Um, but I don't think anyone's comfortable yet predicting, you know, when that happens. So I, I hope you know by May when we deliver our Q1 results in May. I think we should have a more clear outlook on when normalization is going to happen. But as of now, there really isn't any evidence of that. And, and, and certainly on the RFP side, you know, the, 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 the COVID-related holding pattern is certainly still, uh, still in place. Okay. Any, any plus or minus on the 100,000 target? In other words, uh, if things get delayed or, or they accelerate, um, any, any plus or minus that you guys, you know, 5%, 10% around that number? No, not at all. I think nothing, you know, certainly not for a 2023 target. And even for, even for us, I don't think our year-end number in terms of targeting has changed. It just, you know, I think that we just have to be, be uh, cognizant of what the first half is going to be in terms of returning to normal. Okay. And then, and if you look at the, uh, obviously the ODBA and the provincial governments and the delaying and all that, are they starting to, in your view, um, recognize more value of your role and that this will be, maybe permanently put on hold? Yeah, certainly on the first part of your question, yes. I think uh, we've, been, we've had really constructive uh, discussions with the government, you know, particularly with the Ministry of Long-Term Care. You know, obviously, the, our, our entire sector, it's not just pharmacy, but the long-term care sector is, um, you know, there's, there's been a meaningful spotlight uh, on it in the last year. And I think, I think good things will come of that. Uh, in, included in that, I think, is the recognition that a cut to pharmacy is a cut to long-term care. And I, I don't think there's a... Um, 
you know, I think the, the, the pause that was announced, I think, was a clear indication of the lack of any desire to make such a cut. We're, you know, we're in ongoing discussions. It obviously would be our, our hope that we could turn temporary pause into something more permanent. Uh, you know, more to come on that, but uh, we certainly are, are happy with uh, the dialogue we've had with the, the governments, particularly in Ontario, where the most recent change was made. Okay, and the last one for me, guys. Um, the pharmacy at your door, um, you know, you're making good progress in Alberta, maybe BC next kind of thing. Um, but would you look to accelerate that? Again, it's kind of a land grab right now, as you know, on the whole virtual pharmacy online space. Would you look at maybe doing an acquisition there and rather than just, you know, obviously getting more bed count, but maybe kind of accelerate that? Because that's obviously, um, you know, one of the key drivers there, I think, long term, of uh, more people wanting to stay in their homes, maybe you know acquiring somebody that doesn't have fulfillment centers and things like that, where you have a natural advantage, is that something that you would look at? Yeah, good, good question. So we're you know, we're certainly open-minded on strategic options in that space, um, and and obviously we've paid attention to you know some of the financing and valuations that have happened. I I wouldn't necessarily characterize it as a land grab because I think a lot of this stuff is still you know, valuations and financing based on potential revenue as opposed to anything that's actually real. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, we, we, I mean, we, obviously we're trying to build something that's real, uh, that isn't just, you know, hype, but actually offers uh, customers a meaningful uh, difference in terms of what they can get from a retail pharmacy. And, and in our, you're, you're right in saying that our fulfillment uh, capabilities really do differentiate us from other startups in the space. So we're open-minded. I, I would, I would say there's probably some caution about, you know, purchasing something in this in this market, I just think valuations are are you know something we just need to pay attention to. But but we're definitely open minded about something more than just purely organic uh, as it relates to growth. Okay, excellent. Thanks, David. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, good results. Thanks, David. Thanks, David. Your next question comes from the line of Tanya Gonzalez from Canicor Genuity. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi, David. Hi, Andrew. Um, I think okay. most of my questions have been asked, so just a couple for me here. Um, in terms of your M&A pipeline today, could you talk to the number of targets in that pipeline, and, and do you have a sweet spot in terms of size? Uh, that's obviously it can range, uh, seeing as you acquired remedies last year. But um, is there a sweet spot in terms of how much revenue you're looking to acquire per target? Yeah, I, I think it, you know, certainly it, um, on the last part of your question, it's target specific. I think we, you know, we want to, we want to acquire, uh, you know, well-run businesses with sustainable customer contracts that we can purchase at good, at good multiples. So that could, that could manifest itself in a number of different sizes. Sizes. I don't think I would, I, I give color on how many targets. It's certainly multiple. Um, and I mentioned earlier, I think high level, you know, the, the high level balance we're thinking about is you know sort of a 50-50 organic and M&A play, but that really will be target dependent. Um, in terms of capacity, I think you know on, on tuck-in, just because a tuck-in acquisition tends to be isolated to a single, uh, a single geographic area, we're, we're very confident we can do multiple um, tuck-ins in parallel, just because uh, the integration efforts can be, uh, you know, there can be a, a sort of a divide and conquer concept. Obviously, something larger. Um, if it presented itself at the right value, we would obviously be very interested in that, and that and that you know might change everything in terms of the um, you know the revenue contribution and the integration activities related to it. Okay, perfect. Thank you. And then uh, on the ODBA, just uh, 
the payment declines. Had they come into effect in April as expected, what would the uh, what, what kind of impact would that have had on your revenue? Roughly, I mean, it, it depends, I guess, on what you what you use for bed count because we're a little bit lower because of COVID. But I think high level, the net impact would have been roughly six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay. Perfect. That's all for me. Thank you, folks. Thanks, Tanya. Your next question here comes from the line of Doug Lowe from Lead Jones Gable. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Yeah, thanks very much. And uh, good morning, David. Uh, you know, I mean, most of the questions around your acquisitive growth have been asked here, but maybe just to return to a theme that I've asked on prior conference calls. I mean, now that you've achieved you know, you know, considerable scale and you're now the largest uh, long-term care uh, RX provider in the country, I just kind of wonder how, how you're thinking about the relative proportions of uh, the way you scale up your bed count by winning new business rather than buying new business through acquisition. So maybe just kind of kind of walk me through how you might be thinking about the relative balance there, because uh, you know I think you know winning winning new beds is more cost effective than buying them. You know, uh, you know depending on valuations. And then uh, second question is just you know the uh, the delay of the um, you know, declines in. Uh, 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 reimbursement per bed in the industry, of course, you know, benefits your competitors as much as they do you, at least for the next year or so. So, just, uh, again, just kind of returning to uh, acquisition multiples, just wonder, it, it's, it's still early days, but if you're, if you're seeing any multiple creep that you might want to, uh, uh, you know, consider as you're determining whether you would want to do an acquisition now as opposed to a year from now when the valuations might, uh, might creep down a bit. And that's it for me. Thanks. Yeah, good, good, good question, uh, both Doug. I mean, on the mix, I, you know, I, 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 as I said, I continue to say we really do feel like this is this is a mix between organic and M&A. Uh, it, it's certainly the roll-up aspect of the strategy has always been a big part of it, but we also, I think, recognize that, uh, you know, unlike the way this sector has operated for the last five or ten years, there, there is, I think, there is more differentiation in the space in terms of pharmacy providers. There are customers that are, I think, interested in, understanding what their options are. So we're still very, you know, very uh, bullish on organic growth. In the last year, I, I would say um, for sure my bullishness on M&A has gone up in the last year. And that's, you know, partly about the opportunities. It's partly also just about our abilities to transact, finance, integrate. I'm definitely more bullish uh, on M&A, but I would not say I'm less bullish in any way on the on the organic side. The reality is COVID has just, you know, stalled that out a little bit. But um you know, as, as I've said, I feel like we're we're on the verge of of some normalization there. Um, and on on multiples, no, we've not seen any um, any changes related to capitation. I mean, at this point, you know, the, the 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 ODB announcement was a pause, so there's nothing that's fundamentally changed uh, from a longer term basis. And we've we've got a plan ourselves uh, on the assumption that that capitation ramp will continue to go down, and that's certainly how we would we would approach any target. So not, nothing's changed there. Good stuff. Thanks, David. Thanks, Doug. Your next question comes from the line of Paul Stewardson from IA Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hey, guys. Just calling for Chelsea, and uh, congrats on the year. Um, Thanks, a couple Paul. of questions. I'll start with, um, in terms of, you know, you, you, you had the February financing. You've been talking for a while about sort of deleveraging um now that you you have that extra twenty million, you know, is that where you want it to be, or is, is further delevering still in the works? Uh, yeah, good question. I, I certainly think um, debt repayment is an option. It's probably not our preferred use of capital. As I've said, you know, we 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 believe um, 
we believe we have the opportunity to do further M&A. And so using our, ca our cash for that and, or even for CapEx associated with the onboarding of new, uh, of new beds is probably the preferred use of, of, ca of capital. And that you know, obviously in itself delevers us by growing you know, growing our earnings, but certainly to the extent that that doesn't materialize, uh, you know, our, we 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 um, we do have the ability to pay down some of our debt if if, uh, if that's the right play. But I think we want to we want to run the, the growth options to ground in the next few months first. Sure, sure, okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, and and then just in terms of a little bit of granularity for the smart meds acquisition, um, you know, I know you don't guide for the synergy amount, but c can you guide for the timing? You know, which which quarters that'll hit in? Yeah, I mean, really at this point, our, our focus is entirely about closing the deal and welcoming the smart meds employees to the to the company. So. Um, you know, I, 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 unfortunately, I don't know that we do more than say that. That's the main focus right now. And, and um, you know, they obviously have a retail pharmacy as well. That's relatively, I wouldn't say new to us. We're experienced in, in operating retail pharmacies, but we don't currently do it now. So I, I think we, we, we want to just uh, get to know these people in the business before we make any um, uh, more definitive commitments around the future. Sure, sure. And, and so you, you haven't uh, necessarily decided to divest the retail pharmacy yet? No, I, I think, you know, it, obviously th that's been what we've done with retail pharmacies in the past, but, you know, this, it, it's a very profitable pharmacy, and I just don't think we want to be too quick in making a decision uh, in, in that regard. Okay, okay, good to know. Thank, thanks for taking my question. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. And once again, if there are any further questions at this time, please press star followed by the number one on your touchtone phone. And I'm not showing any further questions that are coming into the queue, so I'll turn the call back over to David Murphy for any closing comments. Thank you, and thank you everyone for participating on today's call and for your continued interest in CareRx. We look forward to reporting on our progress again next quarter. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.